So now, uh, please join me in welcoming today's speaker, Vanita. She's continuing our series, This Changes Everything. Welcome, Vanita. Good morning, everyone. As Sarah said, my name is Vanita. My name is Vanita Rodman Jenkins, and I've been attending the river for six years with my partner, Todd. Um, I am thrilled to be here, here to be able to share with you. I am always grateful for the opportunity to share a word, a sermon, um, and just to share what I feel God has given me. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Uh, shout out to my dad, Bob Rodman, who is with us today. So happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> Bob is the father of five daughters, and he's a better man for it. And I pray that this sermon is a gift to him. So today is a very interesting day as we make our transition into a new season on the Christian calendar. You see, as a community of faith, we've been on a spiritual roll, if you will, since March with Lent and our 40 days of faith experience where we were able to engage with the book of Mark, then Easter, a day of triumph and victory celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we moved into Eastertide where we looked at those moments where Jesus appeared to his friends after the resurrection, helping us to see how this changes everything. And finally, Pentecost Sunday that we celebrated last week, commemorating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the promised gift upon the disciples and other followers of Jesus. So here we are, the season after Pentecost, and it is essentially that part of the year that is left over after everything has been accounted for. So we're back to your favorite and mine, ordinary time. So I can actually assure you though that there are exciting times to be had during ordinary time. As we continue to look at the theme, this changes everything with the focus on unstoppable faith. Today's story is centered in the book of Acts. It was a time when the apostles were focused on honoring the charge given to them by Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, they were to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, essentially everywhere. They were unstoppable in their faith and their conviction to share all that Jesus had imparted within them, even though there were very challenging times. The establishment of the first church and then subsequently a host of churches throughout the land played out with so much intrigue, like a Netflix series. There were arrests and accusations, preaching and praying, misunderstandings and miracles, and defiance and dedication. 
And then in the midst of all that, a great many people were added to the church and encouraged to stay with the Lord. This included Jews and non-Jews alike, as well as women, servants, and anyone who would believe, no matter their culture, gender, or status. The apostles prayed for healing power, miracles, and wonders, and they boldly preached God's message with power. They preached about the faith they had in the name of Jesus, the faith that was given to them through God. They told the people about the wonderful times of refreshment that they would experience from the presence of the Lord. There was a warm connection among the believers because they shared what they had with each other so that everyone had everything that they needed. Let's read today's story in Acts 5, 17 through 41. And it reads, The high priest and his relatives and friends among the Sadducees reacted with violent jealousy and arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go over to the temple and preach about this life. They arrived at the temple about daybreak and immediately began preaching. Later that morning, the high priest and his courtiers arrived at the temple and convening the Jewish council and the entire Senate, they sent for the apostles to be brought for trial. But when the police arrived at the jail, the men weren't there. So they returned to the council and reported. The jail doors were locked and the guards were standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the police captain and the chief priests heard this, they were frantic, wondering what would happen next and where all this would end. Then someone arrived with the news that the men that they had jailed were out in the temple preaching to the people. The police captain went with his officers and arrested them without violence, for they were afraid the people would kill them if they roughed up the disciples and brought them in before the council. Didn't we tell you never again to preach this Jesus? The high priest demanded, and instead you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring the blame for this man's death on us. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors brought Jesus back to life again after you had killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then with mighty power, God exalted him to be a prince and savior so that the people of Israel would have an opportunity for repentance and for their sins to be forgiven. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to all who obey. At this, the council was furious and decided to kill them. But one of their members, a Pharisee named 
Gamaliel, an expert on religious law and very popular with the people, stood up and requested that the apostles be sent outside the council chamber while he talked. Then he addressed his colleagues as follows. Men of Israel, take care what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow, Theodos, who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed and his followers were harmlessly dispersed. After him, at the time of the taxation, there was Judas of Galilee. He drew away some people as disciples, but he also died and his followers scattered. And so my advice is, leave these men alone. If what they teach and do is merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to stop them, lest you find yourselves fighting even against God. The council accepted his advice, called in the apostles, had them beaten, and then told them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and finally let them go. Then the council chamber rejoicing, then left, excuse me, they left the council chamber rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. Amen. The council of temple leaders, this included the high priest and his associates, but Peter put Peter and others in jail for preaching about the resurrection and the good news of Jesus Christ. This was not the first time they're arrested for the same quote-unquote offense. They were very bold because even though they were told to cease their preaching, they kept on going. As it turns out, Peter, John, and the other apostles had become so well-known and highly regarded that it made the high priest and those connected with him extremely jealous. So they decided to arrest them and put them in a public jail. Perhaps the council wanted to humiliate them or make a public example of them. Perhaps they wanted their arrest to serve as a deterrent for others who had planned to follow in their footsteps. Whatever the reason, they did not stay locked up for very long because an angel of the Lord came at night and released them and set them free. The angel instructed them to go over to the temple and keep doing what you've been doing. Now, this was no random angel. This was an angel of the Lord. It was the Lord who was getting this message to them to preach and tell the people about this abundant life for the angel said go over to the temple and preach about this life during the march on washington for jobs and freedom in august of 1963 american civil rights activist reverend dr martin luther king jr went off script during what would be known as his celebrated 
I have a dream speech. These words were not even in his prepared text. However, gospel singer Mahalia Jackson shouted, tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. And the rest is history. Sometimes it takes encouragement from just one person to turn the tide, to change an unpleasant situation, to help us embrace love and life. I don't know how the apostles felt. However, I can safely assume that this encouragement from the angel of the Lord who freed them helped them get back to the temple without hesitation. Tell them about this life, Peter. Tell them about this life, John. Tell them about this life, apostles. So what did they do? They arrived at the temple around daybreak and immediately began preaching again, fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? They get arrested again (laughs) and are brought before the council. The high priest, as we just read, said, look, didn't we tell you never again to preach about this Jesus? You're spreading your teaching all throughout Jerusalem, and now we're going to get blamed for the death of Jesus. But in Acts 5 and 29, says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The council was furious and wanted to have them killed. Gamaliel advised the council about the potential of an uprising if they handled the matter incorrectly. He used some examples of similar situations and said, and so my advice is just leave them alone. If what they're teaching and doing is merely on their own, don't worry, it's going to be overthrown. But if it's really of God, you will not be able to stop them lest you find yourselves actually fighting against God. The council accepted his advice, called in the apostles, had them beaten, and then told them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and finally let them go. Two groups with two different agendas. Sound familiar? The council, on one hand, kept having the apostles arrested. And the apostles, on the other hand, kept on preaching. Both were unstoppable in their faith. Both were convinced that they were standing up for their convictions, their faith. And both could have possibly been fighting against God. As I think about the day that we're living in, There are so many different issues in our society from reproductive justice and social justice to identity politics and foreign affairs and people having strongly held beliefs, which in many cases connect to their faith. These matters are just so complex, personal, emotional. They require an understanding of historical context, of family dynamics, 
a family culture, and so on and so on. So instead of looking at who's right and who's wrong, my inclination would be to receive all that the gift of the Holy Spirit offers, her power, her comfort, her guidance, and to find in every situation the abundant life-giving power of Jesus Christ and the love that we find being connected to him. Now, this might help to minimize the potential of fighting against God. And I believe this is what changes everything and allows us to have unstoppable faith. When I was growing up, there was a famous musical on Broadway called Your Arms Too Short to Box with God. Does anyone remember that? Heard of it? Okay. The title, it was a long time ago. Okay. The title sounded strange to me. Harsh, even. Oh, my gosh. Who'd ever want to try and box with God? As I reflected on it, there were actually times in my life that holding to my convictions could have been harming other people. So my firmly held convictions and beliefs in many instances were distancing the members of the LGBTQIA community from being part of church. My strongly held convictions made me think that they couldn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and claim their identity. My firmly held beliefs made me angry that they had the rainbow. My firmly held beliefs really made me believe so many of the things that I was taught that God made Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. And at the end of the day, my firmly held beliefs made me and put me in in a position not to love this community. But something within was not settled. I felt like there were people that I actually worshiped with that I was actually involved in ministry with that couldn't fully be who they were. I began to look at instances where I really felt like people had a heart for God, even though I was taught that they shouldn't be connected to God. And I was troubled within and unsettled. And because of that, I didn't just distance myself. I decided that the right thing to do was to explore churches that were affirming to the LGBTQIA community. So Todd and I explored and did our research, and we found a church, and they put us to work right away, and we were like, okay, cool, great, you know? And um, we, we laughed because it was a church that we went to only for a couple of months because we were in transition right before we moved to Connecticut. But it was because we were open and we decided that we wanted to embrace this community that even though we were uncomfortable in the situation, I'll just really keep it real, we just felt like this is what we were supposed to do. And then we went up to Connecticut and we did a search 
for open and affirming churches in that area, in the Hartford area. And we found that there was a church that we wanted to visit. So it turns out on the day that we were planning to visit the church one Sunday, I actually had to work on campus at the University of Connecticut. So Todd said that he would go and check out the church. So we came home and he's like, okay, Vanita, you're never going to believe this. First off, you're going to love this church, number one. Number two, there's a woman pastor. You're going to love that. And I did. (laughs) And number three, one of the associate pastors is an openly gay man who actually preached that Sunday. And I'm like, really? He's like, yes, the sermon was awesome. You're going to love it. And this became our church for a few years. And that is where we began to be more affirming, right? Where we were able to worship alongside and work in ministry with people who were out and, and proud and confident. And we were able to work alongside and learn and ask questions. And not only in that space, but it happened at UConn where I worked where I became very close with members of the community and not just to say, oh, yeah, I have a gay or a lesbian friend, not just because of that, right? But so that I could hear their stories, so that I could hear their struggles and I could hear their triumph and I could hear what they were going through so I could understand the reality of their situation and then they could help me be a better ally, be a better advocate, right? So... Subsequently, here I am doing the work of advocacy and empowerment and inclusion in my day-to-day work. And it's something that I love and I'm excited about it because I am at peace knowing that I don't feel like I'm boxing against God anymore because I feel like I'm loving unconditionally. I feel like that I am embracing this community, not just because it's a thing to do or it's a trend or it's a fad, but way deep inside, God gave me a peace and a knowing that if I'm going to love, if I'm going to say that I have the love of Christ within, then it's important for me to love everyone. And again, that, that didn't start off that way, but because I decided to open myself up, God brought me to where I am now, and I thank God for it, right? So sometimes it's a little complicated at times. It really, really is. However, I feel that I can be unstoppable in my faith faith when I'm loving, serving, and living life to the fullest. The life that the apostles preached about, the eternal life revealed by Christ and found through faith in him. My faith is unstoppable when I embrace the fact that Jesus and his resurrection power are real. And when God is for us, he is greater than anything or anyone that would try and block us from pursuing our passion and calling to breathe life and peace and love into the life of others. Tell them about this life, church. Tell them about this life. And I think it's appropriate for me to take a line from Journey this morning. (laughs) Don't stop believing, believing that you too can have unstoppable faith. Believing that you can challenge strongly held beliefs. Believing that you can challenge theological perspectives 
don't stop believing that it's okay to, as one of my professors in seminary shared with me, dance with scripture, dance with the text. Don't stop believing that as you love and as you serve, you will grow and have peace. Don't stop believing that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can spread love, you can embrace love, and you can actually be love. So I have a few practical suggestions for us this morning. And the first is, at all costs, I would highly encourage everyone to pursue life. Every day, in your connections, wherever you are, wherever you go, always making a point of pursuing life. And you do this by loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength, and certainly loving your neighbor as yourself. If you do this, you will experience abundant life, that goodness, peace, joy, and this is life in all its fullness. The second practical suggestion is Rejoice always. This is not always easy. Uh, But I do find it interesting that even in this situation, the apostles were honored, the text says, to have been flogged for the name of Jesus. I, on the other hand, cannot actually say that I would have had the same reaction. And I've personally experienced being beaten in a way emotionally, as I lost friends because of what I just shared with you earlier and my stance and my affirming position for the LGBTQIA community. I would liken it to a beating, right? Where I had a conversation with one of my closest friends, with the friends I had for the longest amount of time, 30 plus years, and we're no longer friends because of that, right? I didn't rejoice at the beginning. I cried. I sobbed. I tried to understand. I couldn't, I couldn't understand. But it's something that I released and I gave to God. And as a result, I'm able to rejoice for what we shared and rejoice because of the number of people that I am trying to help encourage and affirm and empower. That's why I rejoice. The third practical suggestion would be to take moments, take time for moments of refreshment. Can I get an amen on that? I'm going to say that one again. Take time for moments of refreshment. I need that. The apostles told the people about the wonderful times of refreshment that they would experience from the presence of the Lord. And I believe our lives are enriched when we have the disciplined practice of prayer and meditation to connect with God. As I read in Richard Rohr's daily meditation this week, which included a piece by Mirabai Starr, she says, when we purposely build periods of reverence or stillness into our days, We practice gazing through the eyes of love and we get better and better at seeing love everywhere we look. 
So the apostles, in their unstoppable faith, even after being arrested and beaten, continued to visit the temple every day. And they went from house to house, teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, because they could not stop telling about the wonderful things they saw Jesus do and heard him stay. So I'd like to close this sermon with the song that sums up unstoppable faith. It's a song entitled Faith That Conquers by Vanessa Bell Armstrong, and I was introduced to this song during my college years. <clears throat> I have the faith that sees the invisible, expects the incredible, receives the impossible, oh, oh, faith that can conquer anything. I have the faith that sees the invisible, expects the incredible, receives the impossible, oh, faith that can conquer anything. Faith that uproots my problems. Faith to know that God can solve them. Oh, faith to envision my freedom. I have faith that can conquer anything. Faith to reach the unreachable. Faith to fight the Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for unstoppable faith. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us 
to tell them about that life. That life life of peace and goodness and joy and love and kindness. We thank you, God, for that life. And we pray that we would continually be in pursuit of freedom in every area of our life. Thank you, God, for unstoppable faith. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.